currently just going through uh, the book of James, and Paul and I were chatting earlier, and it was just so, such an amazing thing just to slowly, verse by verse, go through uh, a book of the Bible. And so that's what we're doing at the moment, 22 weeks. We're working through James, and we are in week uh, four. We're in chapter one. Just a reminder, James is uh, the half-brother of Jesus, and he is uh, leading the church in Jerusalem at the time. And he writes this letter uh, to the broader church. So he isn't necessarily writing it to a specific church with specific circumstances, but rather it is it's almost like a circular that could be passed around. And it's filled with like this quick fire um, wisdom on, on practically living out your faith, right? How do Christians act like Christians? And so, and that's why I love it because it almost reads a little bit like Proverbs and, it, and even Jesus spoke like this, right? So you can see that, you know, they, they're related, but it's just this quick fire instructions on how to live. And uh, let's read. We, in chapter one, verse 13, um, James writes this. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth um, death. Right? So sin and temptation. Uh, that's why I normally go to the evening message. But they thought, let's get the guy in with a lot of experience on sin and temptation. That's why I'm here this morning. But the reality is we we all experts in this. right? And, um, and that's what we're speaking uh, today, um, I was chatting to Albury, my wife, uh, and as a 14-year-old, right, I was, um, my first year of high school was quite different. Uh, I had a, one of my friends, and one day we went to the shops, and we were just not, like, good together. We, we, we shouldn't be friends, and, and he dared me to steal something, okay, and I remember standing in CNA, um, and I was in front, and I just, I was, my heart was beating in, uh, so, like, hard in my chest, and I, and I just saw my hand like reach out and take this item from the shelf and like put it in my pocket and, and, and I walked out and it felt like the longest walk out of the shop, but I walked out and no one caught me and, um, and uh, there was that feeling, that rush of like doing something wrong and I loved it, right? Um, and I loved it so much that I did it again uh, and again. Um, and, uh, you know, most people, standard six or grade eight after after school, you'll go and do rugby or cricket or something like that. I got on my bike and I had my rounds of shops that I went to. Not because I needed it. It's just I loved the feeling of doing something wrong. There was a, like this compulsion to do something wrong. Uh, the problem was I wasn't very good at it, okay? Because I got caught a couple of times. Uh, once by the police and then another time I got beaten up while I was trying to steal a guy's hubcaps off his car while he was mowing his lawn, Right? Was not a, I was not cut out for this, right? So my life as a thief didn't last very long. Um, but uh, but the, I'm saying this because, you know, it, it's, it's funny. And, but I, at that age, I became quite familiar with this, like, feeling of the, this compulsion um, to do something that I, kn I knew wasn't good for myself or people um, around me, you know? Um, it's what Roy was speaking about, that desire to impress people that ultimately led to, um, to that sin which caused destruction, the destruction that he was speaking about in his life. And it's something that we all know, you know, and some, somewhere on the scale, we all know what it's like to have that feeling, that desire, and that temptation. And so we're going to unpack that this morning. We're going to look at, hey, what, what does James say temptation is? How does it work? And what is the answer? 
not is the answer, all right? So what is temptation? The, few, the first few verses of James, he speaks about trials, right? The first couple of verses is all about trials. James knows that life is hard. He's writing this to churches. Remember, this is the early church. There's persecution. There's famine and hardship and poverty. And, and remember what he said. He said, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, right? He believes that the trials and the sufferings uh, can be gifts from God. We can see it as gifts from God to shape us and to do something in our hearts and to create people um, that he wants us to be, that he's calling us to be, right? And it's often in those hardships and trials that, um, that we get to just grab out, you know, out of desperation uh, to who God is. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers in our pleasures, he speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain, right? And so that's the first couple of, uh, just the first part of James, that's what he's been speaking about. And now today, um, these verses that we've looked at, he continues to speak about trials, but now he speaks about a different type of trial. He speaks about temptation, okay? And it's actually the same Greek word that is used, but it's in different context. And our, our, our response to it needs to be different as well. So as James has been saying, like trials and suffering and hardships, we, you know, when we view it through the wisdom that God gives us, we're able to say, wow, I um, can see this, uh, you know, even though there's pain and suffering, I can, I can view it with a certain amount of joy because I know God can work through it into my life. But he says temptation is different. Temptation is something that needs to be rejected and avoided, right? So on the one hand, trials can be used by God to grow you. This is what James is saying. But temptations is used by Satan to trip you up. John Calvin said this. He said, God tests in one way, Satan in another. The devil tests us in order to damn, condemn, destroy, and ruin. But God tests us in order to prove us, to increase our spiritual stamina. And that's what James is saying in verse 13. Temptations never come from God. That's the first thing we learn, we learn, right? James 1 verse 13, God does not tempt anyone. His intention is never to trip anyone up, okay? That is what the enemy wants to do. But God's intention is always to shape you into someone who is perfect and complete. Proverbs 17 verse 3 says this, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. And the picture here is of a porcelain bowl or um, a clay bowl that could withstand high temperatures that would be filled with silver and gold and precious metal and would be placed in the furnace and it would melt the metal and all the impurities would rise to the top and you'd scoop it off and you'd be left with something pure. And that, that is God's intention for your life, right? And sometimes he uses sufferings and difficulties and trials to get you there. And so, hey, if you are suffering in that place, take heart and know that it is a gift from God. It can be a gift from God to purify you. But like I said, temptation uh, towards sin has to be seen as something serious, right? And needs to be rejected. And I have to, and I, and I want to bring this point across, right? It is serious because it's in our culture, it's seen as something, hey, you know, lightweight when we speak about temptation and sin. I mean, have a look at this, all right? Nestle Temptations, all right? A Night with a Rocky Road. This one does actually look quite good. Next one, Flirt with Chocolate, hey? Unbelievable. This looks great. And then my personal favorite, Mango Made Me Do It, okay? Mango Made 
me do it. Temptations by Nestle, right? But that's often the language that we use, right? It's kind of like, oh, man, I was tempted, that slice of pizza, you know, it's just like calling me to eat it, which so often happens in my life. Um, you know, I was tempted just to stay at home tonight because I was tired, um, and that's kind of what we use in our language, temptation island, which I didn't know was a thing until I, you know, found these, these things, but apparently it is a thing. But, um, but the Bible's definition of temptation is different, okay? And as I was preparing for this, I found this quote um, that says, temptation is the source and the trigger of all the ruin that we see in creation, right? And it's true. We read in Genesis, God made mankind, Adam and Eve, created us to worship him, to be in fellowship with him, to enjoy him, to live according to his ways, right? To trust him. And what happens is that moment, Genesis 3, where the snake comes and, and God gave instruction. He said, don't eat the fruit of this tree. And what does the snake say? He says, did God really say that? Did he really mean that? You know, does he really have your best interest at heart? I think he's, you know, telling you not to eat this apple because ultimately, you know, he wants to withhold something from you, right? He doesn't have your best interest at heart. And it is the, almost like that first domino that falls, that causes all the ruin and the destruction um, that we see in creation. In the same way with us, right? That's temptation. It's the trigger. It's a trigger for the ruin and destruction in our lives when we follow through with sin, and sin grows, and ultimately it brings forth death, right? It's the trigger for the ruin that is to, to follow. And in the Bible, temptation really is a matter of life and death. It's the fork in the road. It's a matter between you experiencing the fullness of what God has for you, right? Or ultimately walking in a place of shadows and darkness and misery and, uh, and destruction. And it's it, and I want to bring this point across because ultimately Satan, this is his tactic for um, attacking us in our lives, is to draw us away from God, is to play on these temptations in order to, to draw us away from God and, and to, to cause us to sin. And that's what sin is, is, is not to trust God, to follow your own way, and it leads to brokenness. And the opposite is true, that we were made for God. We were made to trust Him. We were made according to live, uh, to live according to His ways and to enjoy his presence, okay? And so it is important for us to look at this. So how does temptation uh, work? How does it work? Let's look at verses 14 and 15. James does this, you know, explains this so well. He says this, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death, okay? So notice how there's this there's a sequence of events here, right? The first thing is like, hey, there is desire, right, that brings forth temptation, and we act on that temptation. And then there's conception, right? There's an action, um, and then there's sin because of that conception, uh, and there's growth of sin, and then ultimately there's, there's death. There's the sequence that is, that is followed. And what does it say? What are we lured and enticed by? Where, where does the problem start? It starts with our own desires, right? James says that the problem is not, the problem's not out there. It's not a matter of, hey, guys, close the door. Maybe just all of us can huddle here and sin will be out there. No, the problem's here. It's in our own hearts, right? James knows that we've fractured, that we've got disordered desires, that we're sinful. And he says, hey, he says, this is the starting point, guys. The problem is with your own heart. 
and desire, if we look at that word that James uses, um, as I've been preparing for this, a, a lot of commentators mention this, that, that it's a, the word epitumia, the Greek, the Greek word, which is, um, you know, if you think of epicenter, it's like the center, the central kind of desire that he's speaking about. He says it's a central desire, really strong desire or a, or a lust. Okay, and, and the, the, ER, the, the ERV, the NIV says uh, evil desire, but the, I think that, you know, my personal opinion, I think if it says evil desire, you think like it's a desire for only bad things, whereas the ESV says like just desire, and it, it really is, it can be a desire for good thing or a bad thing, but the problem is that it becomes an over-desire, right, a strong desire, a lustful desire, Right? So it's not that you want bad things, it's that you want things too badly. So even, even good desires can be ultimate desires. We think of something like success, like career success, and that's a good desire, right? But when it becomes like a strong desire, what's wrong is, is like what is wrong and right doesn't really matter anymore, right? So it is a thing of, hey man, my boss asked me to lie, and I really don't want to lie, but I want that promotion, so I'm going to lie, right? So the the, the desire is, hey, your desire to be successful in your career that's causing you to um, do what you know is, is not according to God's ways or is going to be harmful to people. And um, like Roy said, that desire um, to achieve and to impress ultimately led him to, in his own words, to do things that were illogical um, and so that's what we do, right? We act on it. And James uses important imagery to convey what, how that happens in our hearts. He says, a person is lured, lured and desire, uh, in, and enticed. So lured is just that picture of fishing, right? And um, the image of a fish that just single-mindedly just swims towards this bait on a hook, right? And doesn't see the hook and just uh, thinks, hey, there's satisfaction, but ultimately it is a trap. This is the picture that James wants to bring across. And then, he, and then he speaks about being enticed, right? James begins to use another, another metaphor, which is really a, a sexual metaphor, someone who is seduced and enticed, right? And he says, hey, after you've been seduced, after you've been enticed, after you've been lured, right, then you act on it, on that desire, on that temptation, and then there's sin, there's, there's conception, and there's a birth sin, which ultimately leads to death, and it's a really powerful image if you think about it, right? It's this picture of, like, um, birth, which is uh, just this promise of life, and newness, and pleasure, and joy, and ultimately it's disappointment and death, and that's what sin does. It promises us, says, "Hey, this is going to satisfy you. This is going to um, complete you. This is going to give you what you're longing for in your heart." And James says it's a trap. Ultimately it will leave you feeling empty and disappointed and it will lead to destruction, right? An over-desire for success, you give everything, right? And your overwork uh, might lead to the death or destruction of your body, right? If you take on too much stress or you just work way too many hours or uh, it causes the death and destruction of your marriage or the, your relationship with your kids if you just give every waking moment to, um, to that you know, success or career progression or think about just that desire, right, for money, not, not ever having enough. And Psalm 150 says those, that's an idol, right? And we become like the things that we idolize. And 
if money is that over desire, you become cold and hard and not generous and you start thinking that you're the reason why um, you have what you have and prideful and what about an over desire for, for you know, like youth and physical beauty or, um, or fitness, like neglecting certain areas of your life because this is the most important thing or in, uh, just a deep anxiety because you know um, you're, you're getting older, right? Those wrinkles are setting in, those type of things. Even a desire, an over-desire to be in a relationship, right? Just that strong desire might lead you to, um, to do something that you know isn't the wise thing to do, right? To enter into a relationship that you know isn't the right thing. Or desire for, for a desire for children. Any of those things can become, it's, if you look at those things, it's, it's a good desire, right? It's good to want to do well at work. It's good to want to be financially secure. It's good to want to look after your body. It's good to want to be in a relationship or to have children. But those things can, can just kind of cross that line and become the ultimate desire um, in our lives, like a really strong desire. And this is what James says, hey, that's where temptation comes in, right? And he says, hey, God sees this as spiritual adultery. When there's something in our lives and we act on it um, and we sin, God sees this as spiritual adultery. God's people are often described as his bride, right? We're the, the bride of, of the church is the bride of Christ and sin is seen as, as running into the arms of another lover. It's like having two options in front of you. You've got your creator and you've got this desire, which you know, hey, is not according to God's law. And you're like, I'm gonna choose this because you know, I believe this is gonna actually fulfill me. And it's like spiritual adultery, right? Running into the arms of another lover. You were made, right? You were made to be satisfied by God. You were made to be satisfied by your creator, to come and to be in his presence and to live according to his ways. That's your design, okay? That's your design. I often think about, like, you know, I've got a car, it runs on petrol, probably like, you know, many of yours. Um, but imagine I decide, hey, I'm going to decide what is true for my car. I'm going to decide. I'm going to fill my car with Oros from now on, right? <laughs> Do you think that's a good idea? No, it's not a good idea, right? Um, if I decide my, all of it, tomorrow my car is going to be a diesel car. I'm going to go to a petrol pump and say, no, diesel, right? It's, it's, uh, I'll break my car, right? Um, it's not the way it was designed. And friends, the same is with us. We have a design. Um, we've been designed. There's a creator. Uh, newsflash. And so he calls us to live according to his ways and to just be um, amazed by, by, who he, by who he is, right? But the problem is our hearts. That's what James is saying. Hey, he says, hey, here's the problem. We're fractured people. We live in a sinful world. So how do we fight this? How do we fight this? How do we fight this battle? And I've just got three passages of scripture that I want to um, show you and, and speak about. And the first one is, is um, just around us that God is with you in the midst of your temptation, right? And he's sovereign over it. And he won't let you be crushed um, by your temptation. And the reality is you can resist, okay? So 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says this. It says, no temptation, Paul writes, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And Paul is saying a couple of things in this, which is encouraging. He's saying, your temptation is not unique, right? Um, it's not unique to only you. There's not gonna be a temptation that's like, no one else has ever had this thing. 
that I'm having to deal with, and this is crushing me, and I just absolutely can't say no. The amazing thing is, friends, that it's common. You know, we 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 live in a world where we're all kind of facing similar temptations and desires that go wrong. And for me, the encouraging thing is, let's share. You know, amazing. Just share with one another. I'm battling with this thing in my life, right? You might have someone that says, I had the same thing. And uh, I was really encouraged by this passage of Scripture, right? Let me pray for you, okay? And that's the next point we're going to go on to. But it's just, it's just this idea of, hey, guys, we're in a community. Um, it isn't unique to you. There's people who have resisted that temptation um, in your life, and you could be encouraged by people, right? So let's share it. The other thing about this that's encouraging is like Paul is saying there's a limit to what God will allow. In a sense, he's saying God is still sovereign over your life and over what's happening um, in your heart. And he won't allow that temptation to be so strong that you just absolutely can't say no or that it crushes you. And I love this because it means that God is, he loves you and he is with you, right? And he's sovereign over it. He's in the midst as as that that, um, scripture says, he is faithful. He's with you. And he provides an escape. Not an escape necessarily just out of the temptation so it just goes away, but he provides an escape for you to endure it. There's grace for you to resist. That's what Christ accomplished for you on the cross, that you can resist um, in that time and reach out and grab hold of him, okay? Here's the second one. And uh, basically, sin and temptation it thrives in the dark. So as I just mentioned now, but James says it so well. Um, he says, James 5, verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We tend to want to like hold these things um, and keep it in the dark and keep it secret, right? And that is exactly what the enemy wants. And James says, hey, confess your sins. Get it out into the light. Tell someone about your struggle and pray for another one, one another that you may be healed. And don't miss that. There is power in confession and prayer. I love that. And I want to encourage you to do that, right? <laughs> Telling Paul, like uh, my wife, Albert and I, we've been just thinking about this and some of the chats that we've had to other people in the, in the community who said, hey, like, as Paul mentioned, he's so often like sin, it doesn't just, you know, start there in a sense. It starts with like desire and just stuff in our hearts, you know, um, that goes wrong and builds up and, and there's temptation at some point that comes in, but get it out soon in a sense, you know, and we've been trying to practice this and it's amazing. I mean, the one morning my wife obviously said, hey, you know what? She said, uh, you know, it's amazing just ever since we had that conversation. I just feel like this power of this thing is like, it wasn't even a big thing. It's a small thing. It feels weird like speaking about it, but it feels like, like a sigh of relief, you know, just to get this thing out, which is amazing. So do that. I want to encourage you. If you're facing temptation, hey, maybe for you, it's, it's, it's just feels like that stage of sin um, that is just growing in your life, right? And I want to encourage you to bring it out. Tell someone about it. Ask them to pray for it. We, after the meeting this morning, we'll pray for people. If you want to grab hold of someone and say, just pray for me. But again, there is power in confession and prayer. And then finally this, walk by the Spirit. Paul writes this in Galatians 5, 16. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And that's that same desire that um, 
that like epicenter over desires that, that he's speaking about there. And what he's saying is that there's a way for you to live your life that will empower you to resist temp- temptation. And that is to walk by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit. And it means to, to cultivate a devotion in your heart to the beauty of Christ and a sense of, of awe for who he is and what he's done for you in your daily living, right? To live with an awareness and a desire for his presence. And, um, and I, I, love, I love my wife, right? Partly because, I'm, partly because I've made a commitment to love her a promise, but also because there's an affection in my heart, um, which comes from spending, we, sp- we spend time together, right? We speak, she often tells me she, I need to speak more and tell her what's happening deep in my heart, and I try. I've learned that when she asks me, how's your heart? Fine is not an answer. <laughs> there's more, okay? There's more words as well, but, but there's an affection, there's a growing affection in my life for, for my wife because I spend time with her, right? And the and in the same way, we need to cultivate that affection with Christ um, through being with him. We often speak about be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did is presence. And presence is that foundational starting point, in a sense, that is the fuel for this type of living, to live by the Spirit, right? And that is the, if we think, hey, what is the solution to my desire problem, desires that are kind of all over the show and wrong, and what do I need to do? The answer, uh, friends, is to, to show your heart something better, right? Um, so often our hearts can, you, your heart can latch onto something and you say, wow, this thing is amazing, right? That's, our hearts are always um, saying something is beautiful, and ultimately, if your heart is, is, is saying, hey, career is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, career and success, money, whatever it is, the answer is to show your heart something more beautiful. Thomas Chalmer, who's a a Scottish Scottish preacher, said this so well. He said in a preach titled The Expulsive Power of a Greater Affection, he said this, the only way to break the hold of a beautiful object on the soul is to show it an even more beautiful object, okay? The only way to break the hold of a beautiful object on the soul is to show it an even more beautiful object. If money is my thing, right, and it's driving me and I'm not seeing my wife because I'm just like, well, we need to earn more money, whatever, and it's causing distraction, the, the, the answer is like, say, Christ has stepped into my mess and laid down his life for me. He poured out his life. He became poor so that I can become rich into eternity. Essentially, I've won the lottery, right? It doesn't matter about like if um, earthly money, but what I have in him into eternity is amazing. And he loves me, as Roy mentioned, calls me the apple of his eye. And everything I have, ultimately, it's, it's a gift from him. My circumstances, my talents, the very gifts that I have, and I can live in a way that is just with open hands towards him and to this bigger picture that's unfolding that I get to be part of of him advancing his kingdom. And in a sense, what this does is it kind of just reorders, right? As we gaze upon that, we say, you're the creator of the heavens and the earth and you call me the apple of your eye. I mean, that is amazing, right? And so friends, it's this invitation to walk by the spirit. And I love that, that picture of just walking, right? There's almost this like one foot in front of, your, in front of the other, to set your mind on the beauty and the majesty 
of Christ. There's a rhythm, right? And that rhythm is like, hey, some of the practices that we speak about, like get into God's word on a daily basis. Read it, study it, meditate on it. It's a, the gospel is like a multifaceted diamond that we get to look at from different angles. And it does something to our hearts, right? We come together. We forget. We forget for people, right? We forget. We forget that desires. By Tuesday, there's probably going to be stuff going on in my heart, even by Monday, you know? And the reality is I need to bring my heart to this again, you know? It's not a one-off thing. And that's why it's so good for us to meet together. On a, that's why we do it. We come together on a Sunday and we worship, right? And then we sing songs like we've been singing this morning. And I'm like, oh, yes, that's what it is about. And that's truly important, the beauty of the gospel and who Jesus is. So we do all that, but then we trust. We, we trust and we invite the Holy Spirit to come and just blow on the embers of our heart, right? To fan into flame that affection in our heart. John Owen said this. He said, let him who would spend little time in temptation spend much time in prayer. I love that. There's an invitation there. Friends, our hearts were made to be satisfied by Christ and nothing else will do. He's worth it, worth it, right? He's the ultimate satisfaction that our hearts uh, are longing for. And if there's something else in your life that's maybe become an idol and over-desire, I promise you, if it's money or career or success or um, whatever, physical beauty or a relationship that you're ultimately running after, that thing will always ask more from you. It will never be enough. It will always demand more. It will always take life, right? Ultimately leading to destruction. Christ is the one who laid down his life, who gave it for you, who gives you life, and he calls you to come to him and to live in the freedom of that. And that's the amazing thing. We can. We, we are new creations, right? Christ died for us. The same power that, that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's at, at work in your life and it allows us to um, to resist sin and t- temptation to know that we have victory um, over over him and he can hold fast to him right and I love stories like Roy just where God just came and rescued and redeemed and restored right and so many of us have similar stories where we say man God just came and he set me free and that is the reality the gospel is powerful I'm gonna ask Polly and Drew and the band to come up, and um, we're just going to take a couple of minutes just to respond um, to this. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, I think confession is, is the starting point, right? Just to confess and say, God, this is where I am. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning, and um, you want to, you kind of realizing, hey, my desires have just been all over the show, in a sense, and I just want to come and just confess my, my heart, what's happening in my heart, my desires. Maybe it's just like, hey, this is, this is it's been happening for such a long time, I think I've, I haven't even realized there's just a coldness and a hardness in my heart towards the beauty of who Jesus is. I haven't, you know, I, I wanna get to that place. I wanna cry out to God. I realize this isn't working out for me, right? I know that there's something better. Hey, maybe for you, it's like that sin has gotten a hold and it's growing and you're starting to see the, just the evidence of that, just the brokenness and the distortion and it's having an impact not only on your life but in the lives of others around you. I wanna invite you to come this morning and just to, to bring it to God, to bring it to God. So let's do that, just a couple of minutes. Um, do business with God.
also an opportunity just to, hey, just freshly come and say, God, I want to commit just to that rhythm of walking by your spirit. Thank you, God.